0: Hello and welcome to the download. I'm your host Dave Richardson, and it is Tuesdays, and uh, and what we're gonna, you know, Stu, uh, welcome. We're gonna focus on uh, on actually what you were saying on st- Mondays, which was uh, I you were I I didn't know you were scheduled to speak to uh, to a bunch of uh, investment advisors on Monday, and then my uh, my phone kind of lit up with. Uh, with friends that I had who were attending the speech and their stews on fire Stu's got lots of great stuff to say what an awesome speech as, uh, as you know we would expect I mean the listeners to this podcast would expect you to be you know just effuse brilliance uh from from the stage as you do for uh 10-15 minutes uh, every week here on the uh on on stews days but um what? Why don't we? Why don't we dig into share share with the the listeners some of the the highlights of uh, of of what you were what you were talking about? I think we I think if people are listening regularly, they they have sort of a general sense of of your view. And we respond to different economic data points that are released and how they impact your thinking around markets and different rallies or pullbacks in markets. But uh, what were some of the a, a couple of things that you were you were looking at that? Uh, that are particularly interesting given where we are right now.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, uh, you know, thanks for that, Dave. Yeah, it was, it was it was always great to be out talking to advisors. I think you know they were they were probably alert because you know the room was so cold you could have hung meat in it. And it uh, um, you know so everyone was uh, at, at, you know very attentive, uh, which was which was fantastic. And uh, you know always as I say always great to. You know, hear what's going on with advisors and their clients and, and how they're kind of finding their way through, you know, this, uh, you know, this kind of topsy turvy environment. And, um, you know, we talked, we talked about a variety of things, you know, we, you know, and we've mentioned some of it on the, in our prior conversations around how, you know, the strength of the market this year has, you know, been really focused on a handful of stocks. Uh, you know, so we talked about, you know, the artificial intelligence stocks, uh, so to speak, and then the rest of the market. And you know the rest of the market has you know kind of meandered through this earnings slowdown recession. When will it be? How bad will it be? You know type of playbook, which is a little bit easier to understand. And you know for those ten stocks, you know in particular in the last you know month or so, you know some speculative activity has really returned. You know to some of those to some of those areas of the market, and you know we've seen bullish sentiment rise uh you know we've seen you know again like a lot of strength uh, you know stocks like tesla up you know many days in a row not that it's you know necessarily ai but it it gets lumped in the the speculative bu- the bucket uh, nvidia some others you know very strong and the and the broader market you know kind of going through this debate around you know what will happen to you know the economy and when you're creating scenarios as an investor, like you, you know, you're always trying to marry a couple of things, right? Like you have this intimate understanding of the underlying business that you may own, right? Discussions with management, you know, what happens in this environment, what happens in that environment? How do the margins of the business unfold under different scenarios? But, you know, ultimately when you're creating those scenarios, you need to have some, you know, framework for the economy. And, uh, you know, we work closely with Eric on that. And, um, you know, things have been, you know, slow, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the debate, you know, did we have a technical recession? Have we had a bit of an earnings recession? Is it still to come? You know, these are kind of ongoing discussions. And, um, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time looking at is the slope of the yield curve. Um, and, we, you know, that, that difference between short-term interest rates and long-term interest rates. And, uh, you know, when we started the year, uh, the slope of the yield curve was around minus 100 basis points, which means The two year bond was one percent or 100 basis points higher than the 10 year bond. And what that says is it says, you know, there's there's, you know, this kind of view in fixed income markets that there's a tightening uh, of interest rate policy. There's a tightening of monetary conditions that is strong enough that the economy is going to slow. Otherwise, why would I accept a lower interest rate five and 10 years down the road? Right. Normally, that slope is positive because there's economic growth and there's the possibility for inflation that I want to get paid for. Um, so, you know, in the, in the so then, you know, we had the the U.S., uh, you know, Silicon Valley and, and, and that type of thing play out. And the slope of the yield curve went from minus 100 down towards minus 50 or minus 40 basis points. And, uh, you know, that looked to be, you know, a, a kind of a more normal roadmap. Because often what happens is as the economy slows, the yield curve eventually goes back to a positive slope. And it's during that process that you have the debate around earnings. But as it goes back to a positive slope, eventually market and participants say it's back to a positive slope. The central banks are going to start easing off uh, the monetary breaks. The economy is going to start, you know, improving. Earnings are going to get better. And during that process, right around when the yield curve slope goes positive, you know the stock market starts to find its footing, and um, you know generally speaking, that illustration is still, still kind of in place for the broader market, right? So, you know that that was certainly a topic of discussion. You know as we, you know we have we've had encouraging inflation data, we still have a strong consumer. Uh, there's lots of deposits still floating around from some of the COVID stimulus. We have. Uh, you know, fiscal stimulus on the side of decarbonization and reshoring, uh, you know, just lots of articles around, you know, construction, not necessarily for residential development, but around, you know, factories and plants and things like this, although housing in the United States has remained pretty strong. So we've had this kind of debate around, you know, the meandering path of the economy. And, um, you know, the yield curve has gone back to a more negative slope. And it's kind of like, You know, people are readjusting to how long interest rates might be high, not so much how much higher do they have to go, Um, you know, so that it extends the period of time that we're that we're having a, a negatively sloped yield curve. And when we look back through history, when we see extended periods of time of of negative, negatively sloped yield curves, eventually that leads to a slowdown. Yes. And, um, you know, so that was that was one of the things we discussed. And then, you know, as I say, uh, you know, that meandering component of the stock market, like the broader stock market that, you know, components have certainly followed the recessionary path. Some of those stocks look, you know, more interesting. That's where we're focused our attention in this environment, because, uh, you know, they, they will respond once, you know, some of the early cycle stocks. Uh, you know 6 months 12 months from now they will respond to when we come out the other side so you know th- th- that was some of the topics of discussion
0: yeah any any specific areas that you think um that, that, that will look particularly interesting there what when, when you say early cycle stocks what are what are those kind of industries typically
1: well maybe let's just like you know there's a, there's a variety of them uh yeah. you know normally it's where there's pent up demand right sure. so um in a in a normal economy like it would like bigger ticket items you wouldn't spend money on so that's right you know that that type of thing would would uh, you know would be an early cycle indicator you know, maybe if we took like financial services um, you know one of the early cycle businesses is capital markets okay businesses yes. have been waiting to um, you know maybe there's m a that's been waiting to be done and businesses can't quite agree on you know in order for mergers and acquisitions to take place, both companies generally have to agree on the economy so yes. that they can determine what the valuation should be, right? So, exactly. of course, exactly. in this environment, the buyers say the economy is poor and the sellers say the economy is fine and you don't get business done. Um, you know, there's there's capital that needs to be raised because, you know, balance sheets are, you know, some are still a little stretched from, uh, you know, past actions. So, you know, in, inside financial services, normally, you know, the area that we look for to kind of lead us out, and this was very similar to, you know, in the in the financial crisis, like, you know, the market found its ultimate low in March of 2009. But uh, the amount of business that began being done in November of 2008 was like off the charts. Yes. So, you know, capital starts getting raised. uh, Those types of events take place. So capital markets would be an early cycle business. And, you know, we look for that inside of the financial stocks that we own. And
0: and uh, and 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 Stu, it, 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 when, when we were just talking be, be, before we started recording, uh, you, you've, you've got historical incidences in the not too distant past where, where you've seen this yield curve inversion persist for an extended period of time. Uh, they, they're typically associated with, with markets that most people would say are, are not particularly good. They're bad memories of those, of, of, of those situations. Um, is there anything that would be different this time in, you know, cause again, you're, you're, you're drawing the distinction between this, this small set of stocks that has moved really far, really fast, but the rest of the market, as we've talked about, kind of not done anything kind of reflective of a, of a tough environment. Does that make it different this time than the other periods where, where you've had an extended inverted yield curve?
1: Well, you know, I think the one, the one thing, you know, often, um, uh, you know, where, where you're most vulnerable is when the median stock is expensive, right? <clears throat> that means lots of stocks are expensive. Um, and the headline can be very expensive, right? So, you know, going back to 2000, you know, the S&P 500 traded north of 25 times earnings, and lots of stocks were expensive. So, you know, there was a lot of things to work through as the market uh, declined. In this instance, you know, we have a handful of stocks that are, more expensive. They're not necessarily at those levels that they saw during the tech bubble. So you know, you could, you could argue at at length that, you know, how much of that needs to be worked off. Um, And then the second part is the the median stock is actually, you know, not far off its historical average valuation. So you could have some earnings risk uh, as you, you know, work your way through a slowdown, but it's not like you have the double whammy of having to deal with earnings and recession. Right. or sorry earnings and valuation uh, falling right so um uh, you know so I think you know I think that's one
0: difference uh, um, as we as we kind of sit through things right here the the other thing that uh, you spent some time on was uh coming back into sort of the dividend space which is your uh, your your particular area of expertise is banks and capitalization and and sort of some of the push around regulators to shift the the capitalization ratios of uh, the capital ratios of banks and that. What, what's your perspective on what's going on there?
1: Yeah, well, that's a that's a great question, too. So yesterday, uh, the Canadian regulator increased uh, what they call the domestic stability buffer by another 50 basis points <clears throat> or half a percent. So, you know, a, a well capitalized bank uh, come this uh, you know, I think it's probably November 1st or it might have been December 1st. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, come this uh, the turn of the year, 11 and a half percent would be the minimum capital ratio. Now uh, the Canadian banks are extremely well regulated. Um, you know they're regulated on capital and they're regulated on liquidity, which are you know two of the key features to the long-term success of a bank. Um, you know regulators know bank management knows like not all loans perform. Uh, they prepare the bank for all sorts of circumstances. And what the regulator is doing by adding another half a percent to this minimum capital ratio is just putting another layer of insurance or another layer of preparation, uh, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the skids. And they could sit there and say, well, maybe we, we might even do another one if, if things remain, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as good as they are right now. And they also say, well, we can lower it during periods of stress. Um, and you know, that's the part that's, you know, maybe a little bit interesting here. So it was lowered during COVID and investors were quite accepting of that. You know, because of the unique circumstances at, at that time in a in a more garden vanilla uh, type of slowdown, uh, investors might always think about the high water mark and might sit there and say, well, it's got to go back to those levels. Uh, you know that's that's something we're gonna have to you know think through as uh, as things evolve. But you know the other side to it is is that when you have to hold more capital, it does pressure your return on equity. so it it can pressure your earnings a little bit but we also can't forget that more capital makes the bank safer. So, you know, when we look at, when we look at valuations today, we've gone through a period where some estimates have fallen because activity in some capital markets, businesses have been lower, uh, you know, maybe due for a cyclical turn at some point, uh, you know, provisions for credit have been a little bit higher. So we've seen some negative estimate revision. It leaves the banks trading at a, at a valuation that, that, um, it's really only seen kind of 5% of the time, right? So, you know, that's a, that's a positive. So then you say, well, you know, how does that normally end? And it normally ends once the estimate revision turns positive, right? So, so that's, a, you know, kind of what we're waiting for, but you know, all that said, you know, I go back to that, you know, the regulator says, you know, more capital, they're already very well capitalized. So the regulator is kind of making the system safer. The dividends are, you know, quite healthy business is is uh, slowing a little bit but um you know valuations have you know kind of contracted because of earnings with no corollary benefit of being safer uh as per the regulator right yeah yeah so yes. you know those are some things that that we have got to think through going forward as well um in this environment wow fascinating
0: and and then uh and then I just 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 to finish up uh you you lost something very special to you with an important message in it and uh, you, when you tried to find it, you were uh, you were you were left with with not the kind of response you wanted. So maybe you can let the listeners know what you left behind in, in Las Vegas, uh, the significance of it in terms of uh, what you learned from it, and uh, and 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 maybe they'll return that book back to you. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was uh, sitting there at the pool
1: at the casino reading uh, the Alchemy of Finance by George Soros which uh, I have to admit there wasn't a, that many of us uh, around uh, the, the pool of reading that book and I lost it. And, uh, you know, I called the uh, I called the lost and found and she said, what book were you reading? And I said, The Alchemy of Finance by George Soros. And the woman on the phone said, boy, that sounds like a real page turner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so a lack of urgency to get this important book back to you. Because it, it had something that you, you were saying the in, in terms of the, the inverted yield curve where we started uh, or, or had part of the discussion today. Uh, there, there's a good lesson, particularly as it relates to thinking about the bond market, which which we've been talking about is it, it has been you know quite a bit more interesting since last fall. And and what, what was the main line uh, from from George Soros that? Uh, that that you like?
1: Well, and- I had th- this was the reason. This was the reason I went and bought the book. I had read that uh, you know that he George Soros had said when yield curves are inverted, you need to extend duration. You need to buy you know some longer term bonds. You know, sadly, I lost the book before I got <laughs> you know through all that you know part of the chapter. But you know that is the you know the notion around uh, an inverted slope yield curve is that it's the bond market's way of telling you that the economy is going to yeah. slow down. Um. You know, yield curves can, uh, you know, go back to a positive slope by the longer dated bond, you know, selling off and those yields rising, but it's, it is the, you know, kind of rare, rarer occurrence. Yeah.
0: Which, which, which again is, it just, it just bodes well. uh, You know, it it doesn't mean you're not going to have some turbulence in the interim, but it bodes well for, uh, for, for bond investors going forward. And again, we, we keep coming back to when, you know, the bond market bottomed out. Uh, back in uh, in October, you know you've seen a pretty significant rally in a diversified bond portfolio since then. Uh, and it it's something to keep an eye on because there is still the opportunity as inflation gets managed under control and it's stubborn. It's not going to come down immediately like 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 a lot of people might think, but it will eventually come down and that produces a you know, to do that, you need a slower economy and that slower economy will produce. Uh, lower yields, and you'll generate gains off of those uh, bonds that you buy at higher yield points, and so that's a uh, that that's a potential opportunity. You know, if you're a bond investor and you like to take a look at bonds, and so many people uh, I know that listen to the podcast are on the more conservative end of the spectrum, so they're they're looking at stocks and bonds, but they own lots of bonds, and so uh, last year very tough year, but what that keys up is the opportunity for better years ahead, and you're you're starting to see that play out. Yeah, and even even um, you know like like most
1: you know private clients tend to migrate towards you know shorter dated bonds, like I would say you know five years and less uh, type things. But um, you know when you look at some of the you know spreads between uh, say you know Fed funds or where central banks are setting rates relative to inflation expectation, those spreads are pretty wide. Um, you know, there, there is the the, the the potential for, you know, total return, like uh, the price of the bond improving, but the coupon, the carry is quite uh, quite good. Like, you know, even one, two, you know, three-year type corporate credit where you're getting, you know, mid-single-digit uh, coupon returns. And, uh, you know, for some of our domestic investors, you're also getting, you know, kind of a capital gain yeah. kicker uh, as the bond returns to par. Um, you know, it has been a, an, an awfully long time that the bond market had coupon, let alone uh, the change in the price of the bond as interest rates moved around.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and speaking of returns, you can uh, you can return, uh, we'll, we'll have some information for you uh, on, on the posting for where you can return Stu's book. If you happen to be in Vegas and you uh, probably, <laughs> probably somebody's at a slot machine uh, playing uh, or playing video poker with that book there, benefiting from uh, the wisdom Stu was hoping to gain from it. They were going to read it on the
1: parade there, the Stanley Cup parade. I thought they were going to start reciting it. All right, Stu, take care. Great. Thanks very much, Dave.
0: This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.